All righty, chaps. Praise God. And inshallah, and juice vault, and what want. Hope you've all had a stunning, uh, stunning Thursday. The sheriff is driving through my community. My, my. Is this a no-knock raid? Somebody, assure me. No, no. We're the good guys here. Feds welcome. Remember that. Feds are welcome on our channel. Come drop your sweet government money in our local economy. So had a, a, a great, uh, you know, just a, a thinking on this whole. I'm, I'm really enjoying all the, the reing and the whatnot, the, the aftermath of all this. I've got quite a few uh, Baptist, Baptist bro friends who are, uh, you know, licking the wounds and uh, the disappointment of institutional subversion. And, you know, it really got me thinking this, this whole thing of like, is somebody going to do something? You know, same with, same with uh, you know, the elections here in America. Like, is somebody who is in a high enough uh, place of authority going to do anything? And oftentimes the, the course chosen is to sink into victimhood. You know, so you look at, you look at, uh, at the, the election, the American election, it's like, are they going to do anything? No, they're just going to puff smoke and play victim and like, oh, I can't believe they did this to me. You know, it's like, okay. You know, and it's not for guys who have no institutional power to do something on behalf of those who do have power. You know, you, you don't usurp a crown that is not yours. So all of us, you know, little fry guys, we look on at the guys who are in institutional power. And when they don't do anything, we're like, why aren't you doing anything? As they sink, you know, they fold into, into victimhood. And so, you know, my, my hope for the, the Baptist guys, Rob, welcome brother. My hope for, for the Baptist guys is that, you know, this chap who's at the top of the pile, the, the, guy, the based guy who is supposed to be uh, their presidential candidate, actually does something. And this is what I really wanted to, to hit on today is capitalizing on setbacks, striking while the iron is hot. The Donald, you know, for all his flaws and all his, his, uh, his disappointments and whatnot, his book, um, The Art of the Deal, is a – I've read it twice through. I should probably read it a third time. It's a magical – magical case study in mindset but he 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 often goes on this thing of creating a bit of a stir creating a bit of a underdog story creating a bit of a comeback story you know so for him bad press is not a bad thing a project failure or setback is not a bad thing in fact it's a leverage point to come back stronger from people like the underdog they like someone coming back from adversity you know, you often think of, uh, I've watched two Super Bowl finals in my whole life to my own, both to my shame that I actually watched them. Uh, but also it's like, okay, it's a great case study in American history. One was that game where, where uh, white boy summer captain Tom Brady came back from like 28 nil down. You know, uh, everybody loves the comeback. You know, there's a, there's a great feeling in storyline, in narrative. When a guy is down and out and there's an epic comeback and it almost means more, right? You look at, you look at his latest final, wherever it's just like straight line cruising to the finish. And it's like, that's great. We all feel great for Mr. Captain White Boy Summer. Like, good on you, brother. But at the same time, there was no challenge. There was no comeback. There was no 
setback to come back from. And so Donald being the, the, the great promoter, the great media man that he, that he is, he understood setting up a narrative. And that's what these, um, these clowns are phenomenal frame game. They're phenomenal at setting up narrative. And people want narrative. You know, people want a belief system. People want a story behind the man. They want a story behind the institution. We connect through mythology, right? Mythology is such a powerful uh, driving force of why we do what we do. You know, and we spoke yesterday about, whenever it was, about winning. How do you know if you're winning? And so much of winning is just frame. So much of winning is just belief. Are we winning? You know, you can tell 300 dudes, chaps, God is on your side. Let's go crush. They'll be like, God's on my side. Let's go crush. You can tell 10,000 guys that you're cursed. God hates you. You've already lost and they'll fold and they'll lose. Belief is an incredible narrative multiplier, you know? And so often in our lives, we, we look at our setbacks, we look at our challenges, we look at our circumstances and we fold. Because we're like, ah, oh, failure is final. You know, one of the, the biggest belief systems amongst Western men is that failure is final. You know, you fail in school, you fail on sports, you fail with girls. Well, now it's final. Now that's your identity. Failure is a one-time thing and it's final. Whereas failure is not final. You know, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and he gets up eight, you know. You, you get up again and you carry on going towards your vision. You know, you only fail when you stop. You only fail when you give up. And so I just wanted to, to bring up a few. Let me, Rob, for a long time, the SBC has had more fear of man than they have had fear of the Lord. And, it's, and that's not just uh, unique to the SBC. That's majority of churches and denominations and people who claim to be Christian in their domains and spheres. Uh, there's a famous quote by Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad fame. He says, a lot of people say that they believe in God, but their actions say otherwise. <laughs> it's like phenomenal, you know, phenomenal of like faith without works is conservatism. Faith without works is dead. And, you know, we, we say we believe in God. We say that, oh, God is my provider. God is my protector. God is my promoter. But then we, we trap ourselves in our circumstances. You know, we're like, oh, I'm just a victim of my circumstances. And so I really wanted to, to hit this mindset thing for us of we are prepared by our circumstances. We are not a victim of our circumstances. So you look at David, you know, out in the day or overlooked son, right? David, overlooked son, least of all his brothers out on the backside of the desert. He got the, the worst job in the family company. And, you know, he was prepared by those crappy circumstances. And then likewise, he, he rises to some fame, another setback out to the desert. He has the IRS after him, the FBI after him. And it's like, he is prepared by those circumstances. Uh, Joseph as a slave, right? That's a bunch of crap. You know, a lot of guys would just fold like, oh, I had this dream. I had this amazing dream, this call from God to be a great man in my family. And, you know, your brothers betray you, you get sold into slavery. It's like, well, might as well just, just fold right now and just give it up, you know? But he doesn't. He's like, I'm going to work as unto the Lord. I'm prepared by my circumstances. Then he gets falsely accused of rape. He gets thrown in a medieval dungeon. 
you know, I'm sure there was rats and crap everywhere and, you know, people dying of dysentery and the coof. No masks in that prison, let me tell you. And, um, you know, he's like, all right, this circumstance sucks. Wasn't a victim. He's prepared by his circumstances. He's like, all right, what can I do? I'm a, I'm a freaking machine administrator. I'm a 10 talent guy at administrating crap. Hey, Mr. Jailer, I'll administrate this piece of crap place. And he's prepared by his circumstances. You look at uh, Peter and Judas. The only difference between Peter and Judas is that Judas thought failure was final. He went and hung himself. He ended the game. He went 28-0 down. And at halftime, he threw in the towel and he went home. Whereas Peter was like, I'm a piece of crap. But he didn't throw in the towel. <laughs> he got back on the field. you know. And, uh, and that's it, man. Imagine, imagine a more heinous mess up than Peter. Imagine a more, I just like that word, heinous. Peter, you heinous mess up. You know, imagine looking Giga Chad Christ in the eyes and denying him to a little girl. What a, what a weak sauce. You know, like <laughs> how much worse a failure is that? And yet, you know, Christ seeks him out and says, All right, Peter, you know, on this rock, I build my church. Love my, love my sheep. Yes, Lord, I, lo I love your sheep. You know, love, love my people. Yes, Lord, I, I love your people. Being reinstated. And so many of us can't grasp that. You know, like, oh, Scott, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the mess ups. I'm a bloody mess up, man. There's no coming back from what I've messed up. And it's like, yeah, your, your mess up is chump change, buddy. <laughs> and that's where, like, you know, we need this. We need to have this revelation of who Christ is. And that's humility. By humility and fear of the Lord. You know, that's the biggest thing is fear of the Lord. You know, if the Lord wants to use heck are you, say, oh, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. There's, I can't remember who said it. Probably like Andrew Womack. Uh, I was listening to his podcast and stuff. But he, he would say, um, whenever he like prayed for people or like or, or preached or, or whatever, you know, people would come up to him afterwards and be like, hey, thank you. Uncle Andy, like, bless you. God bless you, Uncle Andy. Thank you. And, you know, just want to shake his hand and take photos with him and touch him and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, he was with a bunch of guys. And the one guy was like, oh, no, it's not me, brother. It's not me. I think they were complimenting him for, like, the worship service or whatever. Like, oh, it's not me, brother. It's not me. And Uncle Andy said to me, he's like, uh, nobody thinks it's the donkey but the donkey. <laughs> you know, talking about the donkey bringing Christ into Jerusalem and everyone's throwing their jackets down before the donkey and 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 you know worshiping donkey it's like no 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 one thinks it's the donkey but the donkey the donkey's like oh it's not me it's not me <laughs> you know it's it's just such a great analogy for us we're like i'm unusable i'm unusable please not me and it's like no 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 like i will happily be the donkey that christ rides in on into my domain through my gift you know through my crap frail human nature you know like just just ride it chaps be the donkey you know Nick, death and resurrection narrative is written on all of history. It's in everything, underdog to victor. Yeah. And that's it. You know, Christ setting up the, the greatest, the resurrection narrative, you know. Lazarus beat him by a day, in fact. It was his greatest party trick. Alrighty. So I wanted to really hit on this thing, you know, this mindset issue of, of failure is final. You know, we beat ourselves up so much because I think it's pride. You know, majority of it is pride. And the flip side of pride is not humility, it's, it's condemnation. You know, pride and condemnation uh, 
together, you know, that the opposite of, of either one of those is humility. But pride is like, man, I messed up so bad that even Christ can't save me. Man, I messed up so bad that even Christ can't use me. That's like, I don't know, buddy. That that sounds awful lot like pride to me. <laughs> so anyway, so with um, you know, with a lot of this stuff, uh, the biggest thing for us is action versus folding. So let's go back to this SBC. Let's go back to you know 20, 2020 Donald, and apply these learnings to our own lives. You know, so many guys, adversity comes up, a little bit of a failure comes up. Uh, maybe some, you know, something doesn't go as planned. And so we sit, we sit down and we do nothing. We think, man, like that just sucked, you know, and we, we either outrage and fold and, and, and either do nothing, freeze, or we go into victimhood and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. And hopefully everything will go back to, to normal, all this kind of stuff. You have to understand what scenario you are in. The fire is hot. The iron is hot. People's eyes are on. The the promotion is live. People's angst is up. People's anger is fired up. The news cycle is still relevant. It's in that moment where it's like, okay, Lord, what do we do? What's the next action? And so I really wanted to get into some some really uh, actionable things for us here. Whenever we, we face defeat or face challenge or face setback, we need to start asking ourselves, what are five options? You know, so, so you look at the SBC guy, what are five options? Option number one, sit and do nothing. Write that down. And, and, and chaps, whatever circumstances, you know, a lot of you guys right now, you're, you're in organizations. You're like, man, what do I do in this organization? You're in, you know, relationships. You're in uh, projects. You're, you know, you're, you're in scenarios right now where you're like, man, something has to change or I need an answer or a solution or clarity, right? So apply this to your situation. I'm just going to use the SBC guy as an example, right? What are five options? You know, option one, sit down, go back to life as normal, do nothing, right? Just go back to life as normal, do nothing. Option two, uh, create a new, you know, go into the desert, create a new hierarchy, uh, phone, you know, and, and again, like, with all of these things, what are some actions that you've got to do uh, with that? You know, phone 400 dudes, ask them to come with me. Option three, uh, convert to Roman Catholicism. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just tongue in cheek here. Uh, option four, um, pay private investigators. Uh, one of you chaps, I think it might have been Rob. You know, you're like, pay private investigators to, to go, go hard and let's fight the institutional game. Let's fight in the, in the institution. Let's go hard after the, the hierarchy and let's use tactics there. Uh, option five, um, inshallah. You understand there, there's always options, right? Many, many options. What you want to go from there is say, who are five people who have been through this scenario and crushed? You know, who are examples and it doesn't have to be in this exact thing it's in a thing that can parallel to here who who are biblical examples of guys who've gone through this kind of scenario who are guys i've read about who are guys i've heard about who have gone through this scenario that i am going through what options did they take can i call them can i read their books can i watch their videos can i figure out the things that they did did they work did they not work what can i learn what should he have done differently what would he have done there the next thing is who, 
my giga chats, the guys who I'm like, these are the guys who are role models in my life, who I would trade places with. I, you know, this is the guy who's like life. I, yes, that's what I like. Do this thought exercise. What would they do in my shoes? And write, write stuff down, right? Like what would that guy do in my shoes? Because it gets you out of your own victim thinking into what you think is a chat, what you think is a, a victorious move, right? Well, if he woke up in my shoes, he would probably do this. And what you're doing there is you're accessing a different mindset. You're accessing king energy outside of your own disappointments, your own limitations. Another thing to do is like, what is, once you've got your options and you're like, yeah, this option is pretty good. And this is probably the option. Um, you know, the do nothing option is so, the do nothing option is very alluring to us. So what you need to do is then have a best case and a worst case. What is the best case scenario of doing nothing? Well, maybe the news will just blow over. Maybe the news cycle will just cycle out. And then we'll take four years of the, just this over and over again, you know, and maybe I can run again. Uh, you know, whatever it is. What is the worst case scenario of staying in? Well, I get publicly assassinated and my, my church folds. And like, what is the worst case scenario? And then likewise, with your, with your list of, of options that what is an option I could take? What's the best case scenario? Well, best case scenario, majority of the normies come with me. Best case scenario, we go hard, hard reset. Best case scenario, we get a ton of media press trying to come after us and kill us and we stand strong and it's the DeSantis principle of like, man, they're not folding. Everyone flocks to us. Like, oh my gosh, this is giving me energy. Oh my gosh, this is an option. You know, and we start building faith towards an option. And you're like, okay, what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario of me going there, I know they're gonna come hard at me in the news. I know they're going to direct the IRS and private investigators after me. I know they're going to dig up scandals and make false accusations against me. So you, you write all that stuff down. And then with both of those, you ask, how do I survive the worst case scenario? What are ways I could survive the worst case scenario? You know, the New York Times writes a hit piece about me. Well, they wrote a hit piece about Nick Sandman and things turned out okay for him. Write that down because that's a testimony. Well, they went after... Uh, this guy and he did this and he got a hundred million bucks out of the lawsuit for uh, for fake uh, for slander or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, I can survive the worst case scenario. I may lose all my friends. And it's like, well, then they weren't my friends in the first place. And this is actually pretty freeing. You know, so you start going through all these things, your options become incredibly energizing. The next thing we want to do as well is go on a, on a, a track down the future. What happens in three months if I do nothing? What happens in three years if I do nothing? What happens in three decades if I do nothing? And often that just generates, oh my gosh, I can't stay here and do nothing. Or it's like, okay, if I am going to stay and I am going to put in 30 years worth here, here's the things that have to change. Here's the things I have to meet in order for me to stay here 30 years. And then it gets you acting within the hierarchy, but at least you're doing something. You're not just hoping for something to change. Likewise, if we go for this option and do the thing, what's going to happen about three months from now? Okay, three months from now, hey, maybe the news cycle will have blown over. Or three months from now, we're setting news fires. We're setting the news cycle. We're doing you know, institutional uh, boogaloo on such a scale that now other institutions are, are reaching out and asking how did we do this and forming coalitions. Like, okay, three years from now, What's, what's probably going to be happening? Oh, now we're going to have seminaries. Now we're going to have universities. Now we're going to have publishing houses. Okay, three decades from now, 
oh, we're going to, you know, and you've stopped, you've got to look further down the line of these options that we're taking. And a big thing here is holy dissatisfaction versus peace and joy. A lot of us chaps, you understand what I mean by holy dissatisfaction. You know, I was working a job where it's like, man, like this is destroying my soul. Uh, this is not my mission. Uh, the organization is not aligned with my values and my mission. Uh, like I am wasting my life, wasting my time, just grinding my soul into this thing. And, you know, you're like, okay, I'll just just pray for something to change. Just pray for something to change. Three months go by. Just pray for, oh, man, this, uh, this is terrible. Just pray for something to change. And all the time resentment is building. You know, anxiety is building. Your confidence is going down. You're like, all right, pray for something to change. Three months goes by. You know, before you know it, 18 months goes by. And it's like, do something. Do something different than just staying on the same path. And the holy action helps us to be like, okay, I'm something is not right here. So what's the opposite of holy dissatisfaction is peace and joy, right? So with those options, which option is going to give me the most peace, the most joy, the most like, man, I'm pumped about this idea. And that's why we have to develop it. That's why we have to build faith around it is like, oh my gosh, I would be pumped if this was the outcome. A lot of the time, well, I'm just going to do nothing and hope it flies over. It's like, are you pumped about that? Have you got peace about that? Have you got joy about that? No, we're just afraid or we're visionless. Or we're, we're sitting in our victimhood. You know, it's like, no, what are we pumped about? We've got to live our life with high energy. We've got to live our life as kings who act on opportunities. We're not victims to disaster. And so the thing with faith, faith is how you please God, right? Faith is taking God at his word. God's love language is us taking him at his word. It says about David that he was a man after God's heart. Why? Because he took God at his word, right? God said to him, you're going to be king. Okay, I'm going to be king. And he didn't waver. He didn't uh, get insecure and try and grasp at it. It's like God said, I will make you king. So it's like, same with Abraham, right? Abraham was a man after God's heart. God says to Abraham, I will make you rich. So he didn't grasp after it. You know, and he said, I will give you a son. He didn't, well, he did grasp after it and he learned, he learned his lesson. But, but with taking Isaac up the hill, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm a, I'm a man after your heart. And so these men after, the, after God's heart are men who take God at his word. Faith always leads to two things, either action or resolve. So what I mean by this is David and Saul is a great, is a great Saul, God's word to Saul is go, draw battle lines, wait seven days. Samuel's going to come and offer the sacrifice. I will win your battle for you. That was God's word to him. He folds and he offers the sacrifice himself out of insecurity, out of fear, out of, you know, whatever, whatever it was, right? He lacked resolve. So that's where faith leads to resolve. Now, David, on the other hand, He's in the cave. Saul comes in for a crap. Faith led him not to act, not to go and kill. Faith led him to have resolve of like God said he'd bring me in. God, I understand you don't touch the Lord's anointed. God will kill him. God will remove him. And I know this, so I'm going to have resolve. Then action. Action looks like Jonathan. 
right? Or Abraham, where Jonathan's like, let's go pick a fight. And if God is for us, then awesome. And if not, then that's God's issue. And off they go and they pick a fight, him and his omnivore. Same with Abraham, right? He went up against five kings because like faith is like, I'm going to go help Lot. And God is with me. I'm going to go. And so he goes. And you could tell he was scared. Why? Because after the battle, his main concern that God addresses is Abraham, I am your shield, which means he was afraid of reprisal. He was afraid of these five kings coming back and overpowering him, right? So that is faith. Like, boom, I'm going to strike out. I'm going to go hard in faith that God's going to win the battle and then God's going to protect me. So, so faith always leads to either action or resolve. Those are your, your, your two things. Whereas for a lot of us, we fold, right? Saul folded. Oh, you fold. Just outrage, fold. So being a man after God's heart, like that's such a huge thing for us, you know? And that means we don't, you know, maybe, yes, it leads you to resolve in, in you know, like for a lot of guys, you know, if you've made a commitment, if you've made a covenant, faith leads to resolve in, I'm going to finish this covenant, even though I'm not enjoying it. But, but then you've got to build up faith, a faith that God will reward you, faith that God sees you in secret, and faith that your resolve is going to lead to God's blessing. Because then it changes how you have resolve. You know, you don't mope around in the cave like, oh, you know, I, sh- I could have killed him and I'm still a victim. It's like, no, 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 chaps, I'm not going to touch him. You know why? God is blessing us. God sees us. God is going to take us in. And the guys are like, this guy's crazy. But I mean, he's okay. He believes God. All right. All righty. All righty. DVG, when this denomination fails, what will be my options? Yeah, exactly. What are my options? You know, because that's it. Let's appropriate this to our own level. You know, if guys are in institutions that are failing, institutions that are subverted, but you don't have institutional uh, authority in that institution, what are my options? What are my options in this institution that I have no authority in? Um, All institutions will eventually fail. Moses started the Sanhedrin with 70 elders. Ezra restarted it for good reasons. It still crucified Jesus. Yeah, that's a good point, bro. Rob, one of the reasons large coalition institutions like the SBC have so much power is that many Southern Baptist church school employees have benefits that are provided and assisted by the SBC. It's bureaucracy. It's a, it's, it's literally, you know, any, any organization that you look at David in the desert, right? Any camp where the camp becomes more important than the targets, that's bureaucracy, right? You know, so 400 men come to David in the desert to do something. They go out and they start taking targets. They're building a hierarchy. They're building a house, a kingdom, uh, infrastructure, a government infrastructure to be able to take over the kingdom when it's time. If those 400 dudes are like, well, we've got to look after the camp, you know, and I'm the cook, I'm, I'm the garbage guy. And I, you know, we cannot lose this camp because when, when time comes, I'm like, all right, chaps, we, we're into the palace or we're moving. It's like, no, 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 we're not moving from this bloody camp because this is my job. This is my job. We're staying in this bloody, you know, and it's like, no, 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 bureaucracy, guys who are, are thoroughly bureaucratically mi- bureaucracy mindset, all they can think of is their benefits, their job. They're not thinking about the, the war. They are. They're like, stop picking fights because people are coming to attack us. This is my job. Be safe. Sanitize. Kick out the, the mighty men because they're just a bunch of trouble. 
Yeah, you've hit on the head there, man. It's like bureaucracy is, you know, you got we got to figure that one out. Uh, DBG, once the organization becomes your new matriarch, it's hard to stop nursing on the teats. Yep, exactly. Christopher, welcome, brother. Find like-minded believers in your tradition and start afresh. Faithful Anglicans left the TEC and lost buildings, endowments, etc., and yet it survives. Yeah, and you know, you pray that the Lord is your provider. You know, so many guys were afraid to lose a job. We're afraid, you know, to lose a source of income or a or a, a stronghold or of some sort. And it's like, man, you know, God will repay me seven times if I if I go in faith, if I trust that He's my provider. You know, and often it's a blessing. It's a blessing to lose old infrastructure. It's a blessing to lose old bureaucracy. It's a blessing to lose an old ship. You know, because it's like, we don't have to pull that along anymore. We don't have to appease these bureaucrats anymore. It's like fresh start. We're, we're you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of opportunity in what looks like failure. Rob, if the choice is between destroying the institution or destroying the individual turds wrecking it, the choice should be easy. These heretics have names and addresses and the litany of Picadillos. And that's it, you know, who are the clowns? The biggest thing here, though, is to, it's, our, it's not flesh and blood, it's institutional. So we are so bad at institutional warfare. It's, it's like you said, Rob, of this thing of like, how do we get clever at institutional warfare against the clowns? You know, can we have our own ADL that comes in and vets you and makes, you know, crazy uh, legal suits against you and do you can we have a cnn that just slanders you and uh throws you under the bus and can we have uh ngos that you know it's like there's so many ways of targeting the clowns without the meme of like bloodshed and and uh boogaloo and we've got to murder these guys and all that it's like no no, no. there's a lot of fun when it comes to institutional warfare uh dbg one suggestion would be never rebuild something similar to what we had previously. The early church built home churches and not more Sanhedrins. Corruption in the church always seems to follow matriarchal centralized power institutions. Yeah, I say that often with, with the, the Cape Republic guys in South Africa who want to secede from South Africa. They still want to keep the same democratic system. They still want to keep the same liberal presuppositions, worldview. And it's like, chaps. You know, it's like, oh, this car crashed because it had a it had a chip in it that whenever you put the accelerator to the floor, it just jammed the accelerator and we went straight into the wall. Let's build an exact replica and then we're free. It's like, no, 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 oh, no, that chip's going to slam you into the wall. It's a really good point. You know what? What led this last institution to the results that it had and how do we learn from that? You know, that's why it's so important to learn from other guys' institutions, learn from the Amish, learn from the Mormons, learn from great organizations that have not, uh, have not devolved into, you know, and of course there's always going to be rottenness. There's always going to be, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you know, let me tell you about some bloody Amish freaking bastards. I know. And it's like, yeah, of course, of course there's going to be clowns in every, in every institution, but there's certain institutions that have weathered the certain liberal corruption better than others. All righty. All righty. Where was I going here? All right. So one of the things with being an after God's heart, you 
with Abraham, with Jonathan, with Joseph. Faithful to God, even to my own harm or humiliation. You know, so you see this with uh, Joseph when his master's wife invites him to sleep with him. And he's like, how can I do this against my God? Not against my master, not against her, not against me, against my God. You see this with David when he sleeps with Bathsheba and uh, uh, Nathan, uh, who was the prophet? Anyway, whoever the prophet was comes to him and rebukes him. He's like, oh my gosh, I have sinned against God. This is incredibly insulting to a lot of people. This is incredibly fascinating. You know, people don't understand this. But being a man after God means I will be faithful to God, to my own humiliation, to my own harm. And it often doesn't make sense to people because they're like, well, I've got to look good to the people. You know, I've got to look good to what everyone thinks I should be. And that's the fear of man, you know, instead of the fear of the Lord. And it's like, oh my gosh, like these guys realized like, yeah, for sure. They wronged people for sure. They, they, you know, made mistakes and, and hurt people. And, uh, you know, I mean, in David's case, he murdered a dude um, and committed adultery and, and all this kind of stuff. But he understood at the end of the day, his, his, his problem was that he was, he was being an unfaithful man to God. He was not pursuing what God had called him to do. And he was messing around in a whole bunch of things that were, off of what God is calling him to do and had told him to do. So one of the, the big things for us here is to not fear harm. To not fear humiliation. And it's hard for us because our, our little Western white, this is our ethnic weakness as white boys. We are petrified of humiliation. We're petrified of social harm. Material harm, even, you know. And you look back, you like a lot of guys, you know, it's like, man, we can survive. We can survive, you know, very well on, you know, water and a tent. It's like, that's not the problem. The problem is what will people think? You know, that's the thing we can't, we can't in ethnically very well. So failure is a redirection. It's a learning moment. It's an opportunity moment. It is not final. We have to internalize that this this thing for us, you know. So the immediate pivot is like, okay, we've lost the election. What's the opportunity? Okay, we've we've been we've been fed posted. In, we have to get into this mode, chaps, of stop seeing failure, start seeing redirection. Stop seeing failure, start seeing options. Stop seeing failure, start seeing new opportunity to uh, hit what was unhittable this way. You know, this thing of like, man, we thought we would do it by vote. I I thought my business would do this. I thought the relationship would do this. I thought the project would do this. And it's like, okay, redirection, options, mission. You know, and we don't, we don't saddle hurt and you know, yes, we can be sore. We can, we can be, we can be hurt. We can be disappointed. We can be angry. We can be resentful, but it's like, God, you see me and I give all this crap to you. And now let's go. I had a guy message me, you know, a while back of like his wife was leaving him and like he was heartbroken and he's like, what, you know, just dealing with all the grief and and the crap. And it's like, you know, very much being, you know, and, and with compassion, I understand this, but being a victim of like, oh my gosh, I'm losing my marriage. Oh my gosh. Like 
this is the worst thing that's ever happening to me, you know, and this whole world is over. Like it's over. It's like, no, 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 dude, live to a vision, live to a vision. Don't be a victim. Don't try and chase a woman who's, who's, you know, doing, uh, you know, who's in her own sin and in her, her own uh, rebellion and stuff like that. It's like, go hard after a mission. God, what is my vision? What is my mission that I'm, you know, I'm being, a, yeah, what are the options? What are the, you know, and, and a lot of guys like Christian nice guy, me is like fireproof, taste the woman, plead. Oh, serve, servant leadership. Oh God. You know, it's like, no, 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 David. No, 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 Abraham. I'm on a mission. I'm not going to be slowed down and be a victim. You know, that's often what gets guys into this place in the, fir- in the first place is worshiping the woman, being the woman's help me. It's like, no, 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 she's my help me. Call her to my mission. I'm going to go hard. I've got a vision. I've got zest for life. I'm a king. You know, and it's like, it's from that place that, that our relationships become healthy again. You know, it's not this thing of like, oh, just sitting around, being a victim. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting thing for us. That's it. So as long as you're stepping, here's the thing, right? Faith means action or resolve, but let's focus on the action thing because a lot of our stuff, yes, there's going to be a few things where there's resolve. Majority of things are going to be action. Faith without works is dead, right? Uh, I think Proverbs 16, 9, it says, uh, a man plans his way in his heart. The Lord directs his steps. So faith is having a plan in your heart. Start planning the options, right? Get Start getting faith up for this. Start getting juiced for what it could be. And then step, start doing actions. And then that way God can direct your steps. We lose when we stop stepping. We lose when we fold. We lose when we go to a cave and cry and be a victim. No, step, go back on the road, get out and do stuff. Act, act, act so that God can start directing your steps again. You know, and again, we're so afraid of like, oh, you know, analysis paralysis. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if it'll work out. Make the phone call. Make the appointment. Send the email. Go to the event. Buy the stuff you need to begin the project. You know, do the thing. Action, action, action. It's like, but what if it fails? It's like, then you know that that's not it. And you're probably going to meet someone who, oh, that's the next. And I, you know, it's this whole thing of just course correction, course correction, course correction. But it's like, we're going to get somewhere because God is directing our steps. You only fail when you give up, you know? So the biggest thing we need to avoid is Elijah in the cave. You know, we need to avoid going into the cave and just be like, oh God, yeah. You know, and it's just like, chaps, no one likes a victim man. No one likes a weak man. No one likes an incompetent man. No one likes a cowardly man. So you can ask yourself, am I being any of those? Am I being incompetent? Am I being weak? Am I being cowardly and it's like okay maybe you know maybe i can if i step out well it takes a bit of bravery if i step out well i'm going to be learning new skills i'm going to be practicing my my skills oh if i step out well i'm going to be gaining strength we need to start stepping out and realize that stepping is success you know again it's that whole thing we look at giga chad and we're like oh i'm not there fold it's like no 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 chaps Set the vision of GigaChad. Set the vision of what does winning look like? What, are, what, you know, absolutely dreamline this. What are the options and get juiced about it? But then no, like, okay, I just got a step. What are the next three actions? What are actions I can take right now? What are actions I can schedule this week? And just start going. 
Just start doing. As long as you're stepping, you're winning. You know, that is what that is what pleases God, is that we're actually stepping out. We're getting out of the boat. The boat was sinking anyway. You know, all of these guys were, you know, doing nothing. They're just like, God, please. And Peter's like, all right, I'm going to, Lord, if it's you, tell me, come. And and Jesus is like, come. And Peter's like, let's do this thing. And then we fail and God picks us up and we carry on walking. Chaps, I promise you that it's a new type of life. When we, when we get away from this victim crap, our first, we've been trained. We've been conditioned. Our first thing is always fold. Outrage, fold. It was a great thing with the Afrikaans boys last year uh, in South Africa during the lockdown. Two things happened. Number one, there was an alcohol ban. And number two, all these crazy Globo Corp, you know, brewery companies, um, you know, they've a long time been advocates of, of all the liberal agendas. So a bunch of Afrikaans boys got together and like, let's start our own beer, our own brewing institution. And it just freaking, the iron was hot, right? There was an alcohol ban uh, and it's in the middle of all this liberal crap. And it's like, the iron's hot, strike. What are the options? Our own beer, strike. How, oh, we don't have the equipment. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the expertise. We don't have the logistics. Strike. They strike and things happen. And, you know, I saw on Twitter just the other day, now they're going into cola. You know, they're making their own cola because we know these Afrikaners, they drink brandy and Coke. So what is more needed by Afrikaners than cola? And so they're making their own cola. And it's like, these dudes are striking. They're going. They're doing institutional warfare. They're not sitting around as victims. Oh, can't get alcohol. Oh, Coca-Cola is pushing degeneracy. Oh, you know, it's like, no, do something. And they're now getting, they're probably making bank. Like we need to capitalize. Strike while the iron is hot. We need to capitalize on our disasters. You know, a disaster is only a disaster if you apologize, if you fold. You know, for, the, for everyone else who's thinking opportunity, it's, it's free publicity. It's free crowd energization. Ener energization, is that a word? Maybe. It's like act. The, the spotlight's on you. Let's go. So praise God. A wonderful time to be alive. So I just hope you guys uh, apply this to your own lives. You know, whatever your institutional questions are right now, whatever your kind of future, you know, a lot of us, we're, we're constantly thinking about the future. Like, oh man, you know, what if I stay? What if I go? What if I do something? What if I don't? You know, what are the problems in your life? Like what are the three or four main problems in your life right now? And, and apply this, you know, what happens if I do nothing? And then what are five options? You know, what are five options that I could do. And even if it's like, dude, I've got, I've got two options. I don't know. Come up with three other crazy crap, weirdo options. Get thinking about options. Start reading on other guys who are in your situation. What did they do in my situation? Ask around with the mates. Hey, chaps, have any of you been in this situation? Or have you heard of someone who's been in this situation? What happened? You know, what are some options? What do you think are some options? It's a great thing to start applying to our life. We are we are not victims of our circumstances. We are prepared by our circumstances. God bless you boys. Have a great uh, day further and we'll see you all tomorrow.